Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Fizz Radio. I'm your host, Jaron May, with Matt Bonaparte. Matt, how are we doing this morning? I'm great, Jaron. How are you, buddy? I am ready to rock and roll. And we were talking about this off the air, and now let's talk about it on the air. There's a lot of difficult times going on in the world right now, but Syracuse basketball got some good news recently. Frank and Selim, a 2020 uh, big man center, you could say. Maybe he'll play the power forward, but he committed to Syracuse just this past week. It's a big, it's a big commitment. He's a four-star out of Georgia, um, and if you look at his numbers, he could have even been better because he was supposed to be the class of 21, but then he reclassified to 2020, so he didn't get that extra year of recruiting, and his numbers didn't go up because of that. But he's still a four-star, still a very talented guy, and he's a big pickup for Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a great pickup for Syracuse. And the one thing that I keep seeing and that keeps coming to my mind when I look at this guy's length uh, and his size is he's got he's 6'10", which is great to have on this roster. But even better, he has a 7'5 foot wingspan. Uh, you always hear Coach Behan go right after his players after games saying, you know, uh, the players did the best they could in the zone. They're just – we don't have the right players for the zone. This guy is perfect for the 2-3 zone. Length is exactly what you need at that center spot, and that's what uh, Anselm possesses. So to have that kind of guy uh, put into this system is going to be great for Syracuse going forward. Now, the thing about him, and just to piggyback off of that, is because, of he, because he has that length, he's a really good shot blocker. And that's what yeah. Syracuse hasn't had in a while. I mean – you don't see Barama Sidibe swatting balls on a regular basis. Pascal Chukwu was like, okay, when you think about it, he was an okay shot blocker. There were some times that those memories stick in my head, like, yeah, he got his hand up there. But this Frank Anselm, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, um, but down the line when he starts to actually get his minutes and be a rotation or a starter, he could be a really big force in the middle of that 2-3 zone. Now, the conversation becomes, when does he play? Because you look at the roster, um, and let's just say Alan Griffin is eligible to play this upcoming year. So then you have, uh, presumably, the starting five would be Joe Girard, Buddy, Alan Griffin, Marek, and Sidibe. I don't think Anselm is going to come in here and, and take out Sidibe of the starting lineup because he's a center and he's earned that position. But then on the bench, you have Garrier, Braswell, Woody Newton, Kadari Richmond, Edwards, John Bull, and Frank Anselm. So when you look at that, there's a lot of centers. Edwards, John Bull, Frank Anselm, all behind Sidibe, and they're all basically in the same class or one class difference. Um, so when does Frank Anselm play is my big question. Uh, I think he's going to end up uh, riding the bench for the most part of his freshman year, kind of like Jalen Carey, Bryson Gadine, and uh, Robert Braswell did. Uh, but because, you know, Beheim doesn't – like every year it seems that the conversation 
comes back to how many guys Bayheim's going to end up running. Because this year, different than many of the last ones, there's a lot of depth on this roster. But Bayheim only runs eight guys. It doesn't change. He, at most, he runs eight guys. And that's a lot, even. You know, Tyus Battle, when he played in Syracuse in his, in his final year, he averaged over 40 minutes a game because he played every single minute of the game, even in overtime. They're, like, you're not going to see a lot of the every single one of these guys get playing time. Most of the starters are going to play all game, and then you're going to get a couple off the bench, like you're going to get Gary A. Hopefully we see a little bit of uh, Bob Braswell this year, and then down the list you're gonna, it's going to taper off. Um, so, you know, you're only going to see a, a limited amount of guys playing. So I don't think Anselm gets much playing time this year, if any, at all. Yeah, I tend to agree. But the thing is, and Frank Anselm was on – um, was interviewed when he committed, and he said, and I'll read out the quote, uh, quote, they said, look, if I come here, you might not play a lot freshman year, but you can come here for one year, put in the work, and get a chance. And that's kind of the mindset that I love to see because not, I feel like a lot of the guys that come to Syracuse or just in college basketball period, they expect – being the stars of their high school, that they're just going to walk on to a D1 or get, get recruited to a D1 team and just play immediately and still be that guy like you were in high school, which is just not true. And at least Frank can understand, hey, I'm going to be at the bottom of the totem pole. I'm probably not going to play, but I still want to come to Syracuse because it's a good program. I want to play for Jim Beheim. He said that in the interview as well. Um, and that's at least a good sign to see. Yeah, you love to see a recruit subscribe to that mentality that, you know, if I work my butt off, I'm going to get a chance to play for, you know, what is one of the greatest college basketball programs of all time. Um, so to see a recruit really subscribe to that and, and want to be a part of that uh, program and that kind of path is good to see, at least as a fan and a part of the media. Again, this is Fizz Radio with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. We are breaking down Frank Anselm, the new Syracuse basketball recruit, 6'10", 220, class of 2020. So he's coming up to the 315 next season. Hopefully there is a next season, number one. Uh, but if there is, Frank Anselm will be on the roster. And now we've talked about his playing minutes. Let's just say he doesn't play at all. Do you think it's worth redshirting him, keeping it, and having him for the four years once Barama Sidibe is out, allow him to learn in the system this year, not play, um, but redshirt him and then have him for another four years once Sidibe is gone? Well, if we're assuming that he's not going to get one singular minute, obviously it makes sense to redshirt him. Um, but, I mean, you know, you don't see Bayheim redshirt too many guys you saw it this year with who redshirted this year was it it was Braswell big. oh Braswell. Oh, Bolajac Bolajac no it was Bolajac yeah yeah medical redshirt I remember um but you know I, I guess it would make sense but you never know when you're going to need them like that uh that tournament when Braden Bayer had to come in that tournament game in 2016 when he had to come in and save the day you never know when you're going to need one of those bench players you know so yeah. But would you rather have a full four year? And I'm leaning towards this option. I'd rather have a full four years of 
of having Frank and Selim. I don't know if I can call him Frank yet. I don't think we're buddy buddy. I don't think you know him on a first name basis, Trent. All right. So I would much rather have Anselm for four full years than have him ride the bench and be maybe like the third guy, the third center. Because again, yeah, I agree, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. It, it depends on the work. Maybe it should, but it won't. Like, if, if there are practices where Jesse Edwards or John Bull are just better than than, than – That's him. what I was going to say. It, it, it depends on – I think the, his biggest battle is going to be between him and John Bullock because – You're putting, Bull, putting Bullock over Jesse Edwards. No, no. I'm saying Jesse Edwards is already above those two. Okay, okay. And that – and Selim coming in as the bottom of the totem pole guy is going to have to fight to get above Bolajac to fight for some playing time because as of right now, it's going to Bolajac rather than Anselm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's what happens every year. You get these big recruits and uh, it just, you got to see what happens. Uh, but again, you're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Jared May here with Matt Bonaparte. We're talking about Frank Anselm who just, committed to Syracuse, and he was also recruited by a couple different other schools, which was kind of, I would kind of say surprising um, that he chose Syracuse because, number one, he was recruited by Kentucky and was going to go to Kentucky, but then switched up, reopened his his uh, recruiting, and then his final four after that, he had Georgia, New Mexico, San Diego State, in Syracuse. He's from Georgia. So Georgia, I kind of was giving the nod towards them, but then he chooses Syracuse and let's have the conversation of this is very big for Syracuse recruiting wise, because we've, we've talked about it in previous episodes. They're just struggling on the recruiting trail recently. They, they really can't get four stars on a consistent basis, let alone five stars. So being able to get someone that was recruit, like you basically beat Kentucky in a recruiting battle, like that has to be a win. That and that that has yeah, to be something about this recruiting team. That's an absolute win for Syracuse. If you're a Syracuse fan, you should be rejoicing right now because the Orange just landed a guy that could have gone to Kentucky. So um, you know, to have that guy playing in the backcourt when we've talked about in past episodes how Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe have been the best to show for this team in the big man's uh, selection. For the past few years, that's that's a huge change of um, just a, a, an era changer, really. It could be depending on how Anselm pans out for this team. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just great for recruiting. Hopefully, they can keep that up and in, into the future. Here's here's another thing. So, according to I'm pretty sure it was ESPN, and I saw this stat. Shout out to um, one of our Fizz helpers uh, right now. Uh, with Tyler Aki, he he talked about this stat, and I, I let me make sure I say it correctly. But according to ESPN's rankings, uh, Anselm, or when you look at the different rankings, Anselm was between 50 and 70 most in most of the rankings for the class of 2020. In Syracuse's recent history, they haven't had a top 50 or someone in the 50s um, as a center recruited to Syracuse since 2016 so that's like that's that just tells you number one how bad the recruiting has been and then number two how big of a recruit this is especially to a recruiting class that had Kadari Richmond and Woody Newton two guys that really do not push the needle 
in my mind, and I think that's in most people's minds. So big pickup for Syracuse to be able to do that. Also, uh, Adrian Autry was the big guy, was the big recruiter to be able to get um, Frank Anselm to Syracuse. So that's also a nod to him because he stayed on him for a while, even before the whole he committed to Kentucky. Uh, Autry was still on his back, committed to Kentucky, decommitted, and then that's when Autry finally snagged him. So, again, big win. And also, also, do you think, and I was thinking about this, I think it's true, the whole having Dior come to Syracuse the next year, or I guess in two years, I feel like that's a big recruiting like draw for some of these guys that are committing now. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how often uh, the recruiting Syracuse recruiters throw that into conversation when they're talking to these guys. Like, you know, we're going to have – when Dior Johnson ends up getting here by 2022 or 2023, yeah. uh, it's going to be a really a, – a program you want to be a part of. So sign on now, and in a couple years, you're going to be on one of the best teams in the country kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'd assume that they would They say something like that because that's one of the biggest – brag Syracuse has right now in terms of recruiting I mean it's not last much. season last season wasn't great this season doesn't look much better to, to look forward and say we have one of the best guys in the country coming here and he really wants to be here is a huge brag yeah and especially it helps in in Selim's case because he learns this year whether he whether they redshirt him or not he learns this year he gets more men like he, maybe he gets five minutes a game this year if that's um next year he builds up more and then by the time Dior Johnson's here and I I think Dior Johnson will be bringing a crew with him of four and five stars because he's connected and a lot of people want to be able to play with him when they when that group comes in and Selim's going to be the upperclassman that has the experience that's going to be the starter and if he thinks about that then I mean Again, it's a win-win for the program. This is a huge pickup for Syracuse, especially for a down year. But I, that's our Frank Anselm chat for this episode of Fizz Radio. After the break, we'll be talking which group needs a little more help on the basketball side of things, the front court or the back court. Think about that. And after the break, we'll give you our answers. Back here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May with Matt Bonaparte. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us. Good morning. We're here every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on the score 1260. We talked about a big recruit coming to Syracuse, Frank Anselm, coming to the Orange in, a, in one year, next year. Um, but now let's talk about what group needs the most help. For Syracuse, the front court or the back court? We're still sticking with basketball. We'll touch on football and we have a special guest later, uh, but let's stick with basketball. Matt, I'll let you take the floor first. I, we, I know we have differing opinions on this, but which group needs more help next season, the front court or the back court for, uh, for Syracuse? I mean, to me, this is just obvious. The, the guys that need to bring, a, bring their game next year like they never have before are the guys sitting in the Syracuse front court. Uh, it's just – it's ridiculous to think anything else in my opinion. Barama Sidibe needs to anchor the, the defense somewhat, just in any form. He, he's Last year he played like he didn't know how to play basketball. And 
this, this Syracuse Orange team needs him to show up and, and play some defense, anchor that 2-3 zone. Uh, in every single post-game press conference last season, Beheim came in and said, these guys just can't play the zone. They're not talented enough. They're not big enough. They're not long enough. They're not quick enough. They're not strong enough. These guys need to show up. They need to get long. They need to play like Hakeem Warwick did back in 2003, getting blocks on the, in the corner, playing. They need to stuff up the paint. Uh, and, you know, on the other side, they need to play on, They need to play some post-offense. They need to be able to grab an offensive rebound. Rebounding was a huge problem for this team. Against Virginia Tech or against Florida State, they got blown out uh, in the rebounding margin. These guys need to be able to get catch their own boards, catch the other guys' boards, and put the ball back up when they can. Uh, it, it's a huge reason that this team might have a real problem scoring the ball this season because if they're relying on Joe Girard third and Buddy Beheim to just jack up threes, it's not going to be pretty. So if Barama Sidibe can somehow turn it to Hakeem Olajuwon by the time of next season, I think Syracuse will be set. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's, uh, let's just see if that can happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Barama, if you're listening, that's what Matt needs you to do. Um, I but, need you, Barama. <laughs> here's the thing. You're right. The big men are not as talented as the guards. But the guards need the most help because, again, I'll read out the the roster. There are way more big men that can help out if they need it. The there are two guards. There are two guards that I can trust this year. You have Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim. Those are the two that I can trust. Alan Griffin, I'll probably be able to trust too, but we don't know if he's playing or not. We don't know if that transfer waiver is going to be wait or the the transfer time is going to be waived. So if he has to sit out and we're talking solely this next upcoming year, then you have Joe Girard and Buddy Behan. That's it. When you think, and then, and then I guess you have Woody Newton and Kadari Richmond, but Newton's more of like a three and Kadari Richmond is, is a guard. But I, I mean, I've looked at his tape and it's nothing special. It's nothing that's going to move the needle for me. And I think a lot of people will agree with that. So when you look at what group needs the most help, not what group needs to step up the most, but what group needs the most help, it's the guards because there just are none. There are none. Like, uh, yeah, but the, the guards on this team are far more talented than the big men on this team. Correct. But the question is they, the, the big men need more help, I think. Mm, they, they, all, they all stink. They all stink. Jesse, remember Jesse they Edwards and Clemson? He looked like a, a deer in headlights, that poor kid. They, they all stink, but it's like power in numbers, at least. At least they have the, the bodies to be able to fill up. Uh, they, I, I mean, I think 70% of this roster is big men. Because, again, let me read it through. Joe Girard, Buddy Behan, Alan Griffin, all guards. Marek Sidibe, those are the starting five. That's probably going to be the starting five. Those are two big men. So you got three and two right now. But then you got Gary A. He's a big man. Uh, so that's three and three. Uh, you got Robert Braswell. Four You're going to call Gary A. a big man. He's a small forward. Mm. He, he plays the four. He plays the four. All right. You're stretching, you're stretching the truth here, Jerry. I mean, I mean, come on. Especially this past year when Brahma Sidibe would be incompetent. In sure, he can, he can rebound. I don't know if he's a big man. I mean, he played the four when Marek was the five this past year. I guess if we're calling Marek a big man, Gary has got to be one thing. Thank you. So then, again, so let me, let me just do this. Guards, four. 
Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, Alan Griffin, Kadari, Richmond. Big men. Uh, Marek, Sidibe, Garrier, Braswell, uh, Woody Newton, Jesse Edwards, John Bull, Frank Ansel. That's so many more. That's just like the guards. If, if Joe Girard or Buddy Beheim get in foul trouble and Alan Griffin is not eligible, who's their guard? Like, who's the backup? Right, but we're not talking about depth here. We're talking about which help position needs to step up the most. And that's got to be the big men. It just is no argument. They, they are, like, clearly less talented than Joe Girard and Buddy Behan. That's just an uh, – you can't argue me otherwise. I won't accept it. It just doesn't make any sense. You're going to tell me that Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim are less talented than Barama Sidibe? Look me in the eyes without smiling and say that. I can't. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. I can't. But, again, I'm not making that argument. Obviously, the two stars on this team next year are going to be Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim. Marek Dolezal, you can also say, is going to be in there. Uh, but he's not really a star. He's more of just a grunt guy. He's that, a fan favorite, baby. He is a fan favorite. Love me, um, love me some Marek. But – um, they're not obvious. They have the they have the stars, but they don't have the depth. And at least in my opinion, when I have when I think what group needs the most help, I take that as a conversation of what group like has the backup. And it's just it's not it's not the guards. Well, I stand to disagree. I know they don't have as much depth, but they're far better off than the centers are. Okay. All right. Hey, I, I mean, you are entitled to your own opinion, but I honestly do not agree with it. I, I'm going to be blatantly honest. Uh, but hey, that's going to do it for another quick segment on Fizz Radio. Again, Jaron May and Matt, bon- Matt Bonaparte here. Um, but we'll be back. We have a very special guest after the break, Len Berman a Syracuse grad from way back when. Uh, He's going to join us on Fizz Radio to talk about Floyd Little and his time on the Hill. Make sure you don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back here on Fizz Radio, and we are joined by a very special guest, still Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte here, and we're almost done with today's show. But before we go, we have a very special guest. Len Berman is on the show to talk about Floyd Little when he was back at Syracuse. Len, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Any chance to talk about Floyd just brings a smile to my face, so happy to do it. So we are doing this because recently Floyd Little was diagnosed with cancer. He made the announcement. It's an aggressive form. Um, and obviously the Syracuse, U- the Syracuse University, Syracuse fan base is all around Floyd and wishing him the best. But let's talk about the good old days, back when he was on the gridiron for the Orange. And my first question for you, Len, was let's just lay it out. How special was Floyd when he was playing at Syracuse? Well, let me just uh, tell you about the first game I ever saw him play. So it was the first game of my freshman year. We're talking uh, September of 1964. Uh, Archbold Stadium, so it's an old concrete stadium, outdoors. wasn't snowing yet, which is unusual because we we had a game against UCLA in October where it did snow. But um, uh, So I'm sitting up there as a freshman, and the very first game freshman year – uh, is Floyd Little and Syracuse hosting Kansas. Kansas had a running back named Gale Sayers. You may have heard of him. Yeah. Song, uh, Brian Piccolo, uh, 
great, great, great running back. So that was the matchup, Floyd against uh, Gale Sayers. And on that afternoon, uh, Floyd Little scored five touchdowns. Wow. First game I ever saw it, I said, oh, this is great. Because uh, what had happened was um, my brother had preceded me at Syracuse. His freshman year was 1959. And if that year rings a bell, it's the only year Syracuse won the national championship in football. So Floyd scores five touchdowns against Gale Sayers. I said, well, here we go again. <laughs> my freshman year, we're going to win a national championship. Didn't quite work out that way, but that was my first memory. And Floyd was just tremendous. Uh, he, he just, uh, you know, and of course he was number 44. Uh, he had succeeded Ernie Davis, who was number 44. And it was just a great tradition. And there was Floyd, and he was, he was just sensational. Great running back. You talk about the, the memories you have of him on the football field. Do you have any memories of him just on campus as a friend? You mentioned we talked about a little bit before we, we came on how you guys were fraternity brothers. Yes. Do you have any great memories together off the field? Well, I have, I have a couple of memories. Uh, Floyd didn't hang around the house all that much. I'm not sure he lived in the house. You know, most sophomores did. Um, but I remember sitting in the living room, which was an absolute pig pen. <laughs> and, and Floyd was there and he was, you know, he was like holding court because when Floyd was around, he just gathered a crowd. And I remember asking him, I was, a, you know, I was a sportscaster at WAER. I was a freshman and I was, a, you know, here was my hotshot question. So I said to him, so Floyd, when you, when you win the Heisman Trophy the way Ernie did, you know, where are you going to put it? Are you going to put it here in the fraternity, on the shelf, on the mantle? What are you going to do with it? <laughs> I'll never forget all these years later, he said, I'm going to give it to my mom. Oh, wow. Now. He didn't, he didn't win the Heisman Trophy. But that, that answer all, always stuck with me as, as being rather special, especially when I got to meet athletes over the years. And, and, and some were great guys and some were not great guys because that's the way athletes are like people. You've got some good, some good ones and some bad ones, but uh, Floyd was one of the good ones. Um, I also – now, here's another memory I had. So I didn't, I didn't lean on him too much. I think once or twice I asked him, please come down to the radio station and do an interview with me. And he did, and he was fine. Uh, but he was, a, he was a big star. You know, you don't want to bother him all the time. But I do remember the day he got drafted by the NFL. Now, what happened was the sports information director at Syracuse when I was a student was a, a fellow by the name of Val Pinchbeck. Val went on and took a job with the Denver Broncos. So naturally, when Floyd's name came up, you know, Val Pinchbeck's eyes lit up and they yeah. drafted Floyd. And I don't know if I don't know if Floyd, uh, so many years later, I don't think he minds my saying this. He was not happy. I, I, I remember him saying, he said to me, Val knows I didn't want to go to Denver. Well, you know what? It worked out pretty good uh, yeah. in Denver, and uh, Floyd's now in the, in the Hall of Fame. So I think it all worked out great. But those are, off the top of my head, those are a couple of memories of, of Floyd Little back on campus. That's, that's awesome. So you talked about the Heisman. I mean, he finished top five in both 65 and 66. Do you think that in stacking up the other competitors those years, do you think that he deserved at least one of those Heismans? You know, you're going to have to refresh my memory. Do you have in front of you? You, know, you probably do. Who, who won those two years? Do you know? Let, let me pull it up. But um, while, while I do that, how about we talk about this too? You obviously saw a lot of or know about a lot of Syracuse greats, Ernie Davis, um, yeah. and goes on. Where would you stack Floyd in that list of SU greats on the football field? Well, I, I know that uh, it, it, it's a little hard for me because I didn't see Jim Brown play in college. But whenever anybody asks me about Jim Brown, greatest football player I ever saw, college or pro. I was just – it doesn't even – hands down. He, I thought he was just the, the, the greatest – 
football player I ever saw. Now, so I guess he must have been a hell of a football player at Syracuse as well. I just didn't see him in those days. So if I had to go one, two, three, I would go, you know, Jim, Ernie, Floyd. But, uh, you know, I'm biased. You know, I, I thought I, I, love, I loved Ernie. I never met him. My brother would pass him on campus, and, and Ernie was just – Ernie was a, a, a god. I mean, he was just a saintly individual. Uh, yeah. Everyone just loved him. I remember I was uh, on a subway when I saw a headline in the New York paper that Ernie Davis had died, and I actually cried. And I, I had never met him. I just knew of him. I actually watched the uh, 60 Cotton Bowl on television, you know, when they won the national championship in the very first series. I think he caught a 70, you'd have to look it up, 70 or 80-yard touchdown pass, and, mm-hmm. and Syracuse went on to win. Oh, let me – oh, I got, I got a story for you. <laughs> okay. So Floyd was involved in my absolute worst Syracuse sports moment ever, but it wasn't his fault, okay? So Syracuse is in the 1966 Gator Bowl, and they're playing Tennessee. This is in Jacksonville. And the final score was 18 to 12. Tennessee won. Neither team made an extra point. Syracuse has the ball. They're down 18 to 12. They're driving deep in Tennessee territory going for the winning score. You have to understand, in the same backfield, Syracuse had Larry Zonka and Floyd Little. Wow. And they're facing a fourth and one. All right, Matt and Jaron, what's your call? Uh, I'm going to hand the ball off, but let me guess they threw it. Uh, <laughs> almost. They blew it is what they did. Uh, first of all, Zonka, if you knew Zonka's career with the Dolphins, I yeah. mean, he would, he could gain yards just standing still. They couldn't mm-hmm. bring him down. So to have a fourth and one and have Larry Zonka and Floyd Little in the same back, at least let Zonka block for Floyd. Something. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ben Schwartzwalder, God love him, uh, called an end around. Yeah. and handed off to a little uh, uh, wide receiver named Ole Allen, and he fumbled the ball. <laughs> and to this day, I'm telling you, I was actually talking to Bayhive about this several years ago. Uh, it, it just it still eats at me that with Floyd Little and Larry Zonk in the same backfield, they called it end around, and the guy fumbled, and Syracuse lost the game. And I was so depressed. I remember going back to my hotel room, ordering room service. I've never done this in my life. I ordered a, a drink from room service. I ordered a scotch. I never drank scotch in my life. I was just so upset. I went back to the hotel room in Jacksonville and ordered the scotch. It was just, it was depressing. But, the, you know, I mentioned Beheim just to digress a little bit. So my very first game I ever announced at WAER on the radio, Beheim played in the game. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That he was a hell of a player, by the way. I know people don't think he looks like an athlete. You know, as you guys know, he's a great golfer, but uh, he was a great college basketball player. He teamed with Dave Bing back in the day. He was good. I, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm just going to take one more. I have the Heisman winners, Steve yeah. Spurrier in 66 and Mike Garrett in 65. It was Garrett in 65? Yep. Well, he was a good choice. Who was it in 66? Steve Spurrier. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't, I guess you can't argue with those. The problem was if Syracuse was higher in the polls, you know, I think Floyd would have got, you know, if he led them to some kind of a national chance. He just didn't have much of a, a, a team around him that, 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 you know, that could lead him somewhere. And that's a function of not being on a, on a winning team. But uh, Garrett was a good choice. He was at that Syracuse function. I, last time I saw Floyd, Garrett was there. So not a bad choice. You know, we talk about how great Floyd was and the, the two guys before him, Ernie and Jim Brown. Yeah. Uh, one thing that they all shared was the hallowed number 44. 
how did Floyd embody that number? Was that a part of his uh, fandom when he was on campus? How big was that for him? Oh, it was huge. I think it was, I think it was absolutely huge. It meant the world. And I'll tell you this, you know, because you know, sports fans can be pretty snarky and so can, you know, college kids. I never heard once anyone say he didn't deserve to be number 44. I mean, wow. it was just, it was a given. He was 44. He earned it. He deserved it. And he was 44. And he was right there in the lineage. I mean, absolutely deserved it 1,000%. And uh, he, was, he was a 44. When I think of Floyd, first thing that pops into my head is 44 because, you know, as I said, I, didn't, I never met Ernie and, and didn't see him play in person. Well, I, I actually did see Ernie play once, uh, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't on campus and I didn't know Ernie, but uh, Floyd was 44, no question. And having come right after Ernie, how important was Ernie in getting Floyd to Syracuse? Well, I'm sure it was big. I mean, you'd have to talk to Floyd about it. But, uh, you know, when Ernie Davis would, would go recruit, I mean, uh, Floyd was in New Haven. And I'm sure when Ernie Davis came to recruit him, that was like a guy. It's, it's, hard, it's hard for people to understand. I've met two athletes in my life who I considered saints. Just They were just terrific personalities. Just when you were around them, you felt better as a person. And those two athletes, one was Ernie Davis and one was Arthur Ashe. Uh, the late great tennis player. He, he just, there was just a special quality about these people. If they wanted to be civil rights leaders, if they wanted to be, well, they wouldn't have survived and wanted to be in politics, but whatever they wanted to do in a leadership capacity, I think, uh, you know, Arthur could have done and Ernie could have certainly done. And I'm sure when Ernie showed up and said, uh, hey, uh, Floyd, you want to come to Syracuse? I, I would bet anything that Floyd said, I'm there. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's awesome. And I mean, that's all the time that we have for this quick segment with Len Berman. But Len, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. And my prayers are with uh, Floyd. Just a terrific guy. Uh, I, hope, I hope they caught it early enough. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, all the best of 44. Love the guy. Again, this is Len Berman with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Len, thank you so much for joining us. And we were talking about Floyd Little because he was recently diagnosed with cancer. All of our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back on the other side with some Fizz feedback. Make sure you don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Closing up shop here on Fizz Radio for another episode on the score 1260. We're here every single Saturday morning. And again, we thank you for spending this Saturday morning with us, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte here. A big thank you to Len Berman for joining the Fizz Radio episode just a little bit ago. But we are back, just us two, and we're going to wrap up shop with the classic Fizz feedback. And Matt, we put these out a couple days ago, and let's see what we got. So the first Fizz feedback is who starts at center for Syracuse next season. The options, Barama Sidibe, Frank Anselm, Jesse Edwards, John Bull. And Barama Sidibe is just running away with it. I mean, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, it's his job. He's been here for three years now. I mean, he's not going to not start Barama Sidibe through and through. So what does surprise me, though, is Frank Anselm is number two in the vote. Well, first, Barama Sidibe has 
79, we'll round up 79% of the vote. So that just tells you it's not a conversation. And I, again, I don't think it's a conversation either, but just wanted to see uh, what our fans thought. And then Frank Anselm is number two with 14% of the vote. So that kind of surprised me. They're saying Anselm is going to have more. I mean, you could say he's going to play more uh, than Jesse Edwards or John Bull. I think it's entirely plausible that Anselm shows up, is extremely talented, more more than the Syracuse staff thought he was, and they say, like, we got to get this guy minutes. Like, he's going to make an impact on the floor in his freshman year. Like, this kid's special. Like, like, like they did with Joe Girard, where, you know, he came in as a freshman and he, he played significant minutes and scored significant points every single game. Uh, I think Anselm definitely has the potential to do that. I don't know if he will or, or if it's probable, but it's definitely plausible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. I think Anselm is going to be better than Jesse Edwards and John Bull. The only question – and we talked about this earlier in the show. It's just, does he actually play this year? Does he get the minutes? Do they redshirt him? Uh, what is that? Because I think he's a better talent than those two behind him, or I guess in front of him right now. Um, but it, it all comes down to that. Now, again, every single Fizz feedback, we if there are any comments, we love to shout out our fans. So Josh Rothenberg says, if Sidibe plays anything like he did down the stretch this season, this isn't even a question. Agreed. 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 Um, Lendell, Rothenberg. We, we got another one from Lendell. It's at Lendog. Uh, sheesh, who cares? Glad to have some depth down low again. So I guess he's a fan of. Sounds like, like Lendell's on my side about the, the front court being more, need more help than the, uh, they got more depth, but they're worse. Me and Lendell, bro. Okay. All right. Uh, Robert White also, we have a lot of comments on this one. Robert White says, let's go to a season before we worry about this argument. So, or let's get to a season. So I think he's worried about, um, I it'll guess, happen, Robert. Don't worry, buddy. It'll, it'll, it'll happen. happen. I don't think the loud house will be the loud house. I don't think that there will be fans. And if there we'll is change it to the whisper house, the way, <laughs> um, if there are fans, then it's going to be, obviously socially distant and just not the same. It's going to be a weird atmosphere. Um, so yes, I'm pretty sure there will be a season, Robert. Um, we also have Michael Fallon. He says, Marek, book it. So he wants Marek at the five. And that's a good conversation to have. And I, I've said that for a while, okay? Barama Sidibe is a detriment to the starting five. I'll always say that. Marek or Quincy Gary at the five, is the team is way better off. So you are okay with playing small ball. So going Absolutely. Marek five, Garrier four. Listen, the guys are gonna get the centers on Syracuse are gonna get bullied down low regardless. If it's Marek, at least he's gonna be tough about it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean I can see that. Um, but you also have to think about when you go against Duke and you play like the next Vernon Carey is not there anymore, but the next Vernon Carey, the, the next big man, the next Luca Garza. Yeah, he's going to get bullied, but, you know, bullied. at least I'll like, score him. But try. So I think Frank Anselm, and I think that's where he can find his niche on this team, especially in like next season. Anselm's pretty strong. I mean, 6'10, 220, he's not huge, but he's 
when you look at him, he's cut like he's a strong guy. He's much stronger than Barama Sidibe and Marek Dolajai. And when you look at his frame, I think he can even add some some pounds and some strength. So I think Anselm could be a guy that you could put in there and be able he could be able to body with some of the big men of the ACC. But let's move on. We have one last comment on this Fizz feedback, and then we'll get to the next question. If you didn't say Sidibe, you haven't watched Bayheim coach for any length of time. That comes from Michael Mastro-Leo. Yeah, I mean, same thing we've been saying the whole time. Yeah. All right, cool. Hey, thank you, everyone, for commenting back at us. Let's go over to the next Fizz feedback. This says, which newcomer will have the biggest impact next season? Again, a conversation that we've had. Uh, the options, Kadari Richmond, Woody Newton, Frank Anselm, Alan Griffin. And in this situation, we are hypothetically saying and uh, Alan Griffin will be eligible to play this upcoming year. Alan Griffin wins the votes with 58%. Yeah, I mean, like the one commenter we had, Andrew Potter, says, he voted for Richmond because Griffin's fate lies in the hands of the NCAA. So – if Griffin doesn't get to play, it's going to be Kadari Richmond. But if he does, it's going to be Alan Griffin. And the reason that those guys are leading so so by large margin uh, is because those are the only two we can guarantee playing time for. Those are the guys we know that are going to get on the floor for an extended period of time. Those are the guys we know that are going to be on the floor when it matters, in the, uh, uh, late in the second half when the game is close, kind of. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good point because – there are no guarantees for the big men position. Like Baramas and Marek Dolajai, Quincy Garrier are going to play. But for the newcomers, you don't know if Frank Anselm is going to get any minutes. You don't know if Woody Newton is going to get any minutes. But for the guards, and especially if Alan Griffin isn't eligible, then you got to go Kadari Richmond because there's just no, there's no one else to play the one or the two. Because exactly. When, when Joe Girard gets in foul trouble or Buddy Bayheim gets in foul trouble or they're tired and they just need a break, the only other option is Kadari Richmond. So when you look at this his feedback in this poll, like you said, there's two options. And it completely, like our, our commenter Andrew Potter says, it's completely up to the NCAA. And I think amid all of this coronavirus, like messing everything up, I'm pretty sure – and don't don't like count me on this, but like I'm pretty sure Alan Griffin is going to play next year. I think that's a solid assumption to be able to take. Sure, maybe I don't know. You never know. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. You never know, but I at least in my ASU ASU just got their punter back after he declared for the draft. You never know what's going to happen in the NCAA. That's true. That's true. All right. Hey, well, that's going to do it for Fizz Feedback. And that's going to do it for another episode of Fizz Radio. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. Thank you all so much for tuning in and uh, giving us your ears for another hour on Saturday morning. But that's going to do it. We're going to wrap it up. Everyone, please stay safe, stay healthy, um, and just make it through these difficult times. We hope everyone is doing okay, especially in the Syracuse area and in the 315. But for us, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you back here next Saturday morning. This is another edition of Fizz Radio on the score 1260.